Pushkin. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com slash consulting. IBM, let's create. Maybe I'm... I chosen or fallen into or gotten plucked out to do this career for a reason like maybe I care a lot about it and and I think protecting myself from really investing emotionally in my career early on it was a defense mechanism it was like if I don't really care about it and I don't really try so hard and I don't really want it so bad then when I don't make it it won't be so horrible and painful right you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if I don't study for a test and I fail it, well, I probably would have gotten a good grade if I would have studied. But what if you study your dick off and you get a D, and then you're like, wow, I'm just a dumb fuck. That was Judy Creer. I'm Sam Fragoso, and this is Talk Easy. Welcome to the show. Judy Greer is an actress you've seen in all kinds of films and television shows. Here is a completely random shortlist I've put together. What Women Want, Adaptation, 13 Going on 30, The Village, In Memory of My Father, 27 Dresses, The Descendants, Jeff Who Lives at Home, Ant-Man, Wilson, Lemon, Ant-Man and the Wasp, is that what the second one is called? I'm going to be honest, I've seen neither of those movies, but if you're listening to the show, you probably uh, primarily identify Judy Greer as Kitty Sanchez in Arrested Development. She's an actress who seems to always be working, and I think she knows this. In 2014, Judy released a memoir called I Don't Know What You Know Me From, Confessions of a Co-Star. 
The Amazon description of this book is kind of great. It says, you know, Judy, <laughs> you know, Judy Greer, right? Yes, you totally recognize her. And odds are you already feel like she's your friend. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's the relationship you have with her. But what you probably don't know is that she recently made her directorial debut. It's called A Happening of Monumental Proportions, and it's set over one school day in which students and teachers have to deal with uh, a whole bunch of things. A dead body, infidelity, bad parenting, um, teen angst, and so much more. Here's a bit from the trailer. Well, did you call 911? They said since he's already dead, it's not technically an emergency. If I see that on Facebook... Facebook? I'm on Snapchat! What's at 1.30? Career day. I don't want you to be late. Who's that? He's a music teacher. Is he smoking a cigarette? Should you be smoking on school grounds? You're having an affair with your assistant. Good morning, Daniel. Bob called. He said he wants to have lunch with me. My He's... husband, Bob. Yes. Wants to have lunch with you? Yes. He's gluten-free. You're fired. What? You're fired. Can I borrow a pencil? Yeah, sure. You're new. <laughs> How long have you and your wife been together? Seven years. Would you say she's your everything? If pressed, yes. <sighs> Jesus. I know. We found her this morning next to a big pile of manure. This man tended to our grounds for a decade. We don't even know his name. His name is Kevin. Kevin? Thought it would have been something more mix, more monosyllabic. Over the next hour, Judy and I uh, go into the challenges of making your first movie, especially in the pivot from acting to directing. We also run through some of her greatest hits in her career. She indulged my questions about adaptation that I've, uh, <laughs> that I've always wanted to ask. We talk about her first break into Hollywood, how she feels about being called a character actress or a a supporting actress. But first, we talk about parenting and um, the pressures women feel to become mothers at a certain age. So, finally, here is Judy Greer. When it comes to parenting, did you... You didn't want to be a parent, right? Uh, I know you are now. You're a stepmother. I'm a step-parent. Um, Is that weird to say out loud? No. Uh, cause, because I always want to introduce my stepkids as my kids. But, like, I never also want to, like, step on the toes of their mom. Right. So, I mean, there's not a lot of times when I'm, like, introducing my stepkids when she's there that she'd be like, can I swear on your podcast? Yes. That she would be like, what the fuck? So it's not really an issue, but like also just to be like respectful of their mom. Right. Like I'm like, this is my stepdaughter, Emily, but really I'm always just like, this is my brain. I'm like, this is my daughter, Emily. And then I think that like my kids, stepkids, to be clear, have like four parents instead of two parents. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know why I have to call them my step kids all the time it's but tough. it's easy for people then to categorize everything in that way like okay okay so these aren't her kids but they're her kids right but i didn't mm, double negative i didn't not want to be a parent parent <sighs> like a like a 
vaginal parent, but I just like. By the way, that term. <laughs> what a term. <laughs> but I was like. A vaginal I'm st- parent. <laughs> I'm still like. That's the first time that's been said on the show. <laughs> There's a second first for the show. First first is doing it on the ground. Um, I didn't not want to. I just didn't like what by the time it like I got around to it being time to decide to do that like I was like really happy with my steps and thinking like why Hmm. I don't know it just felt like maybe that time had passed and also I like really 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 love my husband and and I was so excited to like have time with him that I was like, I don't want a baby to wreck that. Right. Wreck the, wreck the fun time. Yeah. Like, we have a lot of fun together, and I really love hanging out with him. And uh, because, like, we already have these two awesome kids, it seemed like, what if, you know, mine isn't nice? And then... Right. Like, your kid ruins the fun? Baby. That's so crazy. Also, I really love dogs, and I really love the environment, and I really love going away and doing movies out of town, and um, not that you can't do those things when you have a baby, but it was like harder. harder for me to wrap my mind around, like, how can I have all these dogs, and then, by the way, I only have one right now, but I'm totally getting more, and then it's really bad for the environment to have a kid, and I would feel really guilty leaving this baby with my husband, who's such a total peach, and he was like... My fear is that you say you're not going to do movies because you have a baby now, but that you actually will do the movies and that I will be at home with this baby. Yikes. Yeah, that's the honest truth. You, and really, I was like, you really got a whole argument put together there. Mm-hmm. Well, we talked a lot about it. It's a big decision. Right. I, I mean, people make the decision to have a baby so much faster than they make it to not have a baby. Like, I thought for, like, literal years about... That's a good sentence. Should I not have a baby or should I have one? But, like, most people are like, I want a baby. And then they get a baby. Like, they don't really spend... Time on it. Maybe not. I don't know. You seem pretty young. You probably don't have a baby. I don't have a kid. Right. But... You probably want one. I think I do. But lately, we're talking about environmental stuff. The future is so bleak. So Let's not even go down that. But that is definitely, yeah, I will just, we'll get there at the end. Um, I was thinking about this in relation to your film. There's a lot about parenting and responsibility in the film. Mm -hmm. And I I guess connecting it to you, when it came to the idea of being a parent, did you have that internal clock? Because you kept saying like two minutes ago that like, it was the time to do this. Like, yeah. I, I ha- like, it, was that clock in your mind? It's in every woman's mind that like doesn't have a baby that thinks maybe they might want one when they turn like thirty. Thirty. Three. Let's say. Okay. I don't know. I mean, I also like my. Yes, there's a clock always, and like you start getting asked, like, "Hey, like, I remember my doctor being like." do you think you want to have a baby? And I was like, I don't know yet. And she's like, cause if you do, we should probably do something about it. And I was like, uh, uh. you want to have a baby with me? <laughs> no, but I'm like, um, okay. So then that clock, but it's in your head. And I actually, I feel, yeah, it's, you have to start thinking about it just cause you know, you can't like women can't do it forever. 
Not to say that like you can't use other methods or adapt because it's always an awesome option, but. Is it at all similar to the idea of you wanting to direct? Because you've been acting since, what, you were 23, something like that? Yeah, I think my first job was like 22, but yeah. Was there a, 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 po- a moment where you're like, okay, I need to direct a movie and I got to do this by a certain time? No, but definitely like I'm super excited to turn it into a metaphor, like for my baby to be born. Like I'm so excited for this movie to come out. Right. Like. People keep asking me, like, when can I see it? How can I see it? Send me a link. And I'm like, no, no, just, like, wait. Like, go to a theater, at least buy a ticket, and then even you can watch it online. <laughs> but <laughs> Like, please buy a ticket. But, um, like, I, uh, no, I had no timeline for that. I just thought, in the back of my head when I started acting, I thought, like, well, yeah, eventually I want to write and I want to direct. But then um, when I actually started acting it seemed farther and farther away right because it seemed so hard to do so yeah i wouldn't say i said i would say it was always a goal but there was no timeline for it it just Mm. had to be the right script because you know to direct a movie like an independent movie it takes a year of your life and i can't do my day job while i do it Mm -hmm. because i have to you know like pre-production work and edit and all this stuff so like you don't get paid any. So basically you like have to take a year off to do it. I did. Um, so yeah, that was like a sacrifice. So it just has to be the right material. Like you're not going to like, although I guess some people make babies with <laughs> test tubes, but like, I wouldn't like make a baby. I wouldn't with a guy I didn't know. Like I wouldn't right. even make a movie with a script I wasn't obsessed with because it's such a labor of love. And I think like even the biggest movie in the world with the biggest budget and you're getting paid all the money in the world to do it. This is a labor of love. Like you are fucking in it and it is consuming completely. So you better like at least one thing about it so much that it makes everything else worthwhile, but hopefully you like everything about it. We brought it full circle there. You're welcome. Yeah. I mean, you did all the work. I, I really didn't do much at all. I wanted to backtrack before you start acting. Do, what jobs did you have? Cause I know directing now is a new job. What happens before acting? Um, I go to college Okay. and I wait tables and I bartend, and I work the door to nightclub, and I work the coat check at the same nightclub. Which one is the most fun? Bartending, because you make the most money. And back when I bartended, it was like, the drink would be like pink or white or brown. Like, it wasn't like, can I have a rusty nail or the, the elephant juice? Oh, I love like, that drink. <laughs> you love the elephant juice? My husband and I have this joke because every time I order a drink, I'll be like, can I have ladybug juice, please? It'll come like in a rocks glass, like with one big ice cube. And then he'll order like the leather wallet and it'll be like in like a thimble with like a long stem. <laughs> and he's like, why am I trying to order a masculine drink? Why does it come? Yeah. But uh, those are very deceptive <laughs> because sometimes those drinks that look and sound good. You're like, cool, I'm in. And then it comes and it's like, God. This is is really... (laughs) We went to Campbell Apartment. Have you been there in New York City? No. I think they redid it and reopened it. It might be like... I don't know. I haven't been since they redid it, but um, apparent. But we went one night, and his he drank. He ordered like a like a 
muscle something I don't know muscle what man. yeah and it was like it was like glowing green with like flowers coming out of it and he was like this is a joke I mean a bit <laughs> like this has to be anyway yes when I was bartending it was very easy to bartend I think being a bartender now would be so super hard very different. I was at a bar in Minneapolis shooting this movie Wilson once where they gave you a drink to drink while they made your drink because it took so long to make these drinks because drink they're like before the drink you're like a pre-drink wow i mean that sounds kind of great it was great yeah they're like here never heard of this have this it's like an amuse bouche but it's <laughs> it's uh you know liquor great yeah what were you like as uh, like late teenage years early 20s in college i mean you might have to do some research and ask my friends i don't know i was probably the same I don't know. I mean, I was, I had curlier hair and... Uh, was I, acting at all on the horizon? Well, I was in an acting school, so it wasn't like a complete Shock. left turn. Yeah, but I never thought I would be an actor. Uh, my parents tell this story, although I don't remember it at all, of coming home for Christmas after my first year in acting school and saying that I didn't want to do it that I like, wanted to change schools and they were freaking out. They were like, oh my God. Which now that I have kids in college and out of college, I'm like, why do they care so much? Because <laughs> I'm like, if I mean, I don't know, like you want your kids to be settled and happy, but at the same time, it's like, so like go to another school. like Maybe different times. Like be happy. I think so too. And also different parents. Right. <laughs> you know, they're like, you graduate from high school, you go to college, college, you get a job, you get married, you make a family, you go to church and you're happy. Right. So. Because you were raised Catholic, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. So, so. I think they freaked out about that, and then I just never, mostly because I'm lazy, got around to, like, leaving school. Lazy? Yes, I was. I am. I think of myself as lazy, although everyone's like, what are you talking about? You're not lazy at all. Like, you're the busiest person in the world. But I have so many people telling me where to go and what to do, so it's not like I'm like, you know what? I want to do a podcast today. It's like, I want to do the podcast, <laughs> but I'm not going to, like, reach out to you. Like, this is all happening, like, around me. Yes. So You didn't call my phone and ask to come on. I don't even have your number. So, <laughs> although now I know I could get it through Genixa. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, I stayed in school for four years and then was thinking as school was ending, like, I'll probably have to go to grad school. So I'll, like, get a job, work. Right. Like, I'm in Chicago and I'll just audition for, like, stuff in Chicago and then figure out like where to go to grad school and like what I'm really going to do and mm -hmm. like have like might start my life then basically. And then I just honestly, it's the worst story for anyone starting out in the business because I just kept getting jobs. Like I just kept getting <laughs> acting jobs. It's not a great story. I can't give advice to people starting out. I always just say like, go take classes at UCB <laughs> because I don't know what to tell people right. because I was like, well, they're like, well, how'd you get an agent? And I was like, I was walking down the street and then a lady stopped me and said, oh, you're really? Yes. In Chicago? Yes. And when that happened, when that lady stopped you, what, yes. did, what were you thinking about? Were Erica you like, Daniels, if you're listening, what's up? Send this to her. She'll be so happy. <laughs> I will. That's, I mean, did you think when that, you know, because like when that kind of stuff happens in life, at least for me, I'm like, I guess it was meant to happen because there's no reason Erica should be stopping you on the street while you're in Chicago and you're like 21 years old. 
I've always very much gone with the flow of things, even though I feel like I'm kind of type A and I uh, have I can never sleep and I like I'm not like a mellow, relaxed person probably. But as far Why are as we like, doing this on the ground, then I need it. I need <laughs> anything that makes me grounded. <laughs> <laughs> like you just I, wanted to say that joke. <laughs> oh, that was funny. I didn't even know it was a joke, <laughs> but it is. Um, so, like in life, in work, uh, as things come to me, I try to just like not think too much about it. It was sort of yes, yeah, someone coming up to me on the street and being like, "You're like I was like wearing this blue raincoat and." And I actually, I wrote a book, and it's in my book, but I had this, like, blue rain jacket that I bought at a thrift store in Chicago, and it was really cool. And I'm, like, walking down the street, and this woman's like, that's an amazing jacket. You're really cool. I'm an agent. Have you ever thought about, like, acting or anything? And I was like, well, actually, I'm about to graduate from the theater school at DePaul. And she's like, great, I'll represent you. And I got so in DePaul at the time. I don't know what it's like. Sorry, in Chicago at the time. I don't know what it's like now. Now, but back then, you would like multi-list. So like all the agencies would represent you. So I had her, and then I got hooked up with this other agent there named Chuck Soche, and he was also my agent. And then he was like, I don't like to work with other agents. I really just like my clients to be my clients, which is unusual for this city. But if you'd like to work with me, that's kind of what I want. And I was like, okay, I'll do that. So I then kind of said to Erica Daniels, like, I'm so sorry, I'm going to go with this other guy. And you left the woman behind. I know. What a bitch. Not my words. I know. I'm, I was terrible. I don't know what it was, but it was something and he was really special and we were really close and, uh, I worked with him for a really long time. And when I moved to LA, he came here too to be a manager and he came with a couple clients. There were a few of us who moved from Chicago and he came too. And, uh, it was really great. I loved working with him. I mean, that was also meant to be, it was kind of like the same thing. Like, He's like, well, I want to work with you, and I only like to work with one. Like, I only like my clients to have me. And so then I was like, okay, cool. And it felt more, like, intimate, my relationship with him. And I don't mean it, like, physically. I just mean only having one person to deal with just felt, like, so much, again, lazy. Like, it's so much easier than, like, having to get all these phone calls from all these people. I mean, fingers crossed you're getting a lot of phone calls, right? Right. But, like, it just felt like, okay, that's just better. I just have, like, this one guy I deal with Mm -hmm. than having to, like, constantly, like, send more pictures to all these offices and yada, yada, yada. So So at a certain point, does the idea of being an actress sort of snap into your head and you're like, okay, I guess I'm going to do this now. Yeah, I think it was. I know, because I know you like to put this laziness term on, but I, I'm not entirely sure I'm going to buy that. Well, I think like being competitive turned into being like wanting to like win mm-hmm. the role that I auditioned for. You were competitive as a kid. I was competitive as an actor when I started out. It didn't feel like I... It felt like I wanted to be chosen. Like I wanted to win the part. Mm. Was what I kind of thought of it as at the time. And then realized like... Like it's a race. Yes. And then pretty soon after moving to LA, I realized like, oh, but like 
I want the part. Mm. Like, I want to do this. And I like doing it. And now, like, I don't really know how to use computers. Like, I don't know what you're doing, but I don't think I could do that. So <laughs> I, so I'm like now just fucked and have to be an actor because I don't know how to do a spreadsheet or, I mean, I can't even sync my phone to my car. Really? No. I, I could help you with that after the show. Everyone says that and no one can do it. <laughs> so... So uh, I feel now like I'm incapable of having another job. <laughs> right. So you just you're you're stuck doing this. And I love doing it. So right. It's fine. Okay. It's okay. It worked out. Yes. Uh, do you remember the first film that you felt like a real actor on? Because I know the first movie I saw you in that uh, it was What Women Want. I was going to say that one. Grow up, were you? Yeah. Oh, okay. Also Chicago. So I saw that as a kid. Ugh, you're so young. <laughs> it's okay. I'm glad you're young. <laughs> Enjoy what we've done to the world for you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you're you. You're welcome. Also, you said I like that you're young, but your first thing was ugh. <laughs> I know. So the ugh was about me not being young. Uh, I'm happy for you that uh-huh. you're I was like oh. I'm not so sure. No. We were having such a nice time. We and still are. Are we? Yes. Okay. Good. You saw it when you were a baby. I was a year old. Okay. Uh-huh. A really incredible memory. My mom says I remember something from when I'm two, but I don't know. That's pretty good to hear. Yeah, it was. Um, that film is really strange to watch now in 2018. I haven't. Should I? I'm not going to answer that. Okay. Um, maybe. So sexist. Let's say yes. Okay, we can because, like, you can even say that you can say it because it was directed by a woman. Yes. So it's easier Which to say. Makes it even maybe more confusing. Yeah. But what I was reminded of when I watched yeah. it again is that your character is really strange <laughs> and, um, but like kind of poetic and melancholic. And yeah. I was like, I cannot believe this is in the movie, and it's. It, I don't even know if it fits, but it's the best part in a way. Yeah, it C- is. For people, you, you, it's like let's add a refresher for people who have not seen it in a while. Yeah, I can and help I'm, you too. I can tell you because, well, obviously I can tell you, but um, so 1999, I uh, am proud to say at the time I felt like it was sexist, <laughs> and I kept thinking. <laughs> This is not what my friends and I like like this is almost like is this offensive? Like is this going to offend women? <laughs> because it's like I just don't know if he likes me. I have to change my tampon. I'm like we <laughs> like really? <laughs> like I yeah. think about <laughs> Yes, I think about that stuff, but I also think about like a million other things. Anyway, I know what they're doing. I understand the concept of a romantic comedy. It's a heightened world. And the reason why I think that my role, and I would say this whether I played it or not, is absolutely, I'll use the word crucial to this movie, Mm. is because it grounds it and it actually takes it out of being like a fully sexist film. Because this is a man now who is hearing a woman's inner thoughts and they're dire dire and they're dark and they're melancholy. And he can feel for her and his heart breaks for her. And he's hearing that too. So if you don't have my character in that movie, like then 
then you're not watching that movie six months ago in bed because no one cares about it. Then it's really a lot of swinging dicks. Yes. And because also, like, the final scene with him and I at the end of the movie when he's in my apartment and he gets struck by lightning, he can no longer read my mind, is what makes him a redeemable character because he has to save me because of him. He has to just talk to me and communicate with me because he is just a human being talking to another human being, mm. you know? Mr. Marshall! Mr. Marshall? Yes, yes, yes it's, it's me. I'm sorry. I, I really did not mean to scare you, okay? I, I just... Wanted to come and see how you are. How are you? Mr. Marshall, if you're here because I I didn't show up for work today, I'm sorry. I was just about to call. I swear. No, no. no, I'm not here because you didn't show up for work. No, that's... But I'm here... Well, I I bet you wonder why I am here, huh? (laughs) As a matter of fact, I was just thinking that. I was thinking, why is Mr. Marshall here in my bedroom? You were thinking that just now? Yeah, and my... I mean, it's water in my ears or something. I bet you're, you know, not thinking anything now, are you? I'm thinking a million things. Really? Because, uh, you know, usually I, I can, uh, I can, I can, uh, you are thinking something right this minute? Mr. Marshall, I'm thinking that you are crazier than I am. I auditioned for, I know I auditioned for the role Sarah Paulson played in that movie, and I auditioned for the role I got in that movie, and I feel like I also auditioned for the role that Marissa Tomei played in that movie. A lot of incredible actresses. I know. So in that, so I auditioned for all these different parts, and like Nancy Myers kept bringing me back, like to try out like this role and maybe come back for this part and come back for X part and, and like all that stuff. And so I came in so many times, and I just am like I couldn't be happier with like where a that I got to be in the movie, but also that I got to play that role in the movie because I think it is a really pivotal moment for him for his character, and yeah. like without him trying to relate to someone who is like having a rough time like I don't know why we care about him but also you know these are stories I tell myself by Judy Greer so like you have to you know like that's what I think is important about my role and that's why I think that like the movie works really well and really stands out it's because we all have our moments of being like you know stupid and like petty but then when you have to step up to the plate like hopefully you can hit it out of the park Mm. and um and at the same time that i was shooting that movie i was shooting a second movie which is called the wedding planner which i realized i think to answer your question from a while back i felt like a real actress when those two movies came out because I knew I was shooting them at the same exact time and they were such different people and I realized like I'm playing these two completely different roles at the same time because I feel like they're both in me and I felt like that's like that's good acting if you can go back and forth between these two like maybe I should be doing this like maybe I'm doing the right thing like maybe I'm I've 
chosen or fallen into or gotten plucked out to do this career for a reason. Like maybe I care a lot about it. And, and I think protecting myself from really investing emotionally in my career early on, it was a defense mechanism. It was like, if I don't really care about it and I don't really try so hard and I don't really want it so bad, then when I don't make it, it won't be so horrible and painful. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if I don't study for a test and I fail it, well, I probably would have gotten a good grade if I would have studied. But what if you study your dick off and you get a D and then Mm -hmm. you're like, wow, I'm just a dumb fuck. Yeah, especially if you study your dick off. (laughs) I'm a dumb fuck with no dick, so. Right. Right. But you did make it. I totally made it. I mean, I think so. Thanks. You know, that character in What Women Want, also the reason I brought it up is that there's a softness to the character that I think when people think about a lot of your performances, yeah, it seems like, oh, that's the Judy Greer character, or that's like yeah. a Judy Greer type now. It's like, oh, yeah. a woman who's soft-spoken and maybe a little fragile. Yeah, I definitely have been playing a lot of fragile characters lately. Why is that? I don't know. I can, like... Is it accurate to you? You don't seem that fragile to me. Um, I'm emotional, but I don't think of myself as fragile. And I think that being emotional makes someone, I mean, I should say, well, A, I am emotional, but I can access my emotions pretty easily. Like, especially during one week of the month, I'm really (laughs) good at accessing all my emotions. And sometimes when I read a script and I get a role and I'll be like, oh, I hope I get to shoot that scene when I have PMS because I'll be able to knock it out of the park. (laughs) But, um, and I, I, well, I think some of my most memorable roles starting out were these sort of fragile emotional characters. And so, you know, like anyone, you just kind of get into that line and you start doing that. But then I also, you know, have like so many people come up to me from the movie 13 going on 30 where I'm like a super bitch and Mm. be like, you're so mean. You're such a bitch. And I'm like, dude, like five minutes ago at baggage claims, someone just told me that like my performance was so emotional and changed their life in this other thing. So like, yeah, you're all of it. Awesome. Can I tell you the second movie I saw? Yes. I was five years old. (laughs) You just barfed. I barfed and swallowed it. What? Um, adaptation. Isn't it so good? I think uh, one of the best movies in the last 25 years. Wow. I truly, I'm standing behind it. Cool. I want to rewatch that. I'm ready to rewatch it. I've seen it. it like 12 times. Seriously. Truly, truly. No, I think it's incredible. Um, I've always wanted to like kind of bring this up now to you because I've seen that movie a lot. And that scene, there's a few scenes where you're... Um, it makes sense. You're a waitress. And the uncomfortable nature of it, because like it starts so sweet. I know. And it's like, you like the flowers. And then it's like, oh, this is so nice. And then the turn, I, I, every time I'm like, oh, my God. How do you feel in the moment acting that out? Terrible. <laughs> I felt horrible. Nicholas Cage is a peach. And as that brother... He's so vulnerable and so, like, sweet and kind and loving. And, like, the real Judy, like, I might not have liked him, but I would have probably gone on three dates with the guy before I, like, got up the nerve to, like, say, like, oh, I... Like, I just would never be able 
I would never have been able. <laughs> Hi. Hey. Some key lime pie for you today? Okay, yeah, that sounds great. I'll cut you an extra large slice, preferred customer. Thank you, that's really sweet of you. Well, I'm just a sweetie, ain't I? <laughs> Still reading about orchids, I hope. Yes, I am. This friend of mine has this little tiny pink one that grows on a tree branch just like that. I can't remember That's what's called an epiphyte. Right, right. <laughs> Boy, you know your stuff. No, not really. I, I, uh, I'm just learning. Epiphytes grow on trees, but they're not parasites. They get all their nourishment from the air and the rain. Wow, I'm impressed. That's great. There are more than 30,000 kinds of orchids in the world. Wow, that's a lot, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'll be right back with an extra large slice of key lime pie for my orchid expert. But, so anyway, I was also wondering... I'm going up to Santa Barbara this Saturday for an orchid show, and I, and I, I... Oh. I'm sorry. Well, um... I apologize. So I'll just be right back with your pie then. I mean... When I said, like, sometimes I people come up to me and say I'm a bitch in a movie like 13 Going on 30, the first movie I thought of mentioning was Adaptation, because after that came out, so many men would come up to me and be like, why do you have to be like that with men? Like, why did you have to be so mean to him? Why? And I'm like, it's a fucking movie, asshole. Like, it's a movie. But people are really asking you that? Yes. I'll never forget there was a... Dude in American rag on La Brea, I was shopping, and this guy like walked up to me with so much intention that I thought he was walking to someone behind me, like, come on, let's go. Like, and he stopped right at me and he's like, Why did you say that to that guy? Why did you tell him? Like, why were you so mean to him? He was just asking you on a date. And I'm like, I'm sorry, man. Like, you know, it's a movie, right? Like, I didn't write it. I'm an actor. I get it. But then also, I wanted to say to him, but of course I didn't because I'm too Midwestern, like, why are you hitting on a waitress, asshole? Like, come on. Like, why would you hit on a bartender? We're paid to stand there and be nice to you. Right. Like, this is a legal form of, like, right? Prostitution. Yes. You're allowed to say that word here. Hooking. Hooking. <laughs> you're scared to say it? You're totally okay. I'll say fuck. No, because <laughs> I was calling someone a hooker in a text chain recently actually like right before you came in oh great and i was like probably can't even say hooker anymore that's probably like a bad thing to say well we just said it hooker you're fine so anyway i uh yes that was i i love that movie and i'm really like so thrilled i'm in it and and that scene even though my role in it's like small that scene really has affected people Mm. And it's such a great, it's such a great film, and I'm really excited to rewatch it. I never thought you were that mean. I, I didn't think I was either. I thought it was just an uncomfortable dynamic. It was just that thing of like, <gasps> okay, how much would you want to bet that the guy who came up to you on La Brea was an aspiring screenwriter? Interesting. I mean, I think he saw himself in the Nick Cage role. Yeah. Felt equally frustrated. Also, that's just my elaborate theory. He could just be another dude. He probably was. I feel like back then everyone was a screenwriter and now everyone's a music supervisor. 
Like, I think music supervisor has become the new screenwriter of, like, this That's a good this take. chunk of Hollywood. Like, the, the slashes. Like, well, I'm, like, a writer, director, actor, which now I am. But, like, um, <laughs> but like the people were like, well, I'm a screenwriter, but I also do this. Or, like, yeah, everyone when... What? Music supervision. Now everyone wants to be a music supervisor. It's like, just because you listen to the radio doesn't mean, like... You should be a music supervisor. I'm supervising my Spotify account. I mean, I swear to God, sometimes I'm just like staring at people dumbfounded. Like, I have a friend who's like a legit music supervisor. She was my music supervisor on my movie. Her name is Maggie Phillips, and she is kick-ass. And there's a great article about her in the LA Times. But Wow, we really plugged Maggie here. She's dope. But I will say that it's not like she just was like, I really like music, so I'm going to be a music supervisor. It's so hard. hard. It's a pain in the ass. Holy buckets. Yes. Hard. So if you're out there listening and you're like, I'm going to be a music supervisor because my Spotify playlist is on point. Does anyone even say on point anymore? Then. I don't know. I will say. You know lingo better than I do. (laughs) You're really on top of stuff. I am so hip. You're Um, so, I was going to say, really, (laughs) really hip. My message to you people, to you aspiring music supervisors out there is it's hard. Hard job. The end by me. Great. Good story. I have a question. Oh. You said uh, there's a Midwestern part of you, as someone who's from Chicago. I think I understand this. Although I think we're different on this. Are you someone who, you know, because acting is hard and even harder than acting is like the business of it. Is uh, the confrontational elements of it challenging to you? Do you feel um, that you're not able sometimes? She's nodding her head. Good. Yes. So continue. It's hard. I have a hard time with it. I don't really know how to. I uh, I think I do okay, but I'm not always great at it. Because sometimes I am super down to like chat people up, and sometimes I just want to be left alone. Mm-hmm. And you never can like really say the things that you want to say, because then you're a bitch. You can say I'm here. Like when someone's like, "What do I know you from?" Right. How the fuck am I supposed to answer that question? <laughs> like, how? I don't know what uh, you, you know, know me from. Literally, I wrote book. a book about it. Yes. I, I listened to the first 50 pages of it. <laughs> like, how am I going to know? How do I know? Hmm. I don't know. In when I first started dating my now husband, he was so sweet. He was always like, babe, like, people don't. Like, they just get nervous, and they don't know what to say, and, you know, and I'm like, I totally get that, because I do, too. You're right, you're right. And then now he's kind of like, ugh. Right. (laughs) What are you supposed to say? (laughs) He's not. He's a peach, but, like, he now gets why. It's like, I don't know, man. The worst one time was coming home from some vacation where we were coming through immigration and like the immigration officer like had my passport in his hand and he's like what do i know you from so now this is a guy right he's looking at photos all day totally fuck with me by the way and not let me back into america (laughs) yes but you are a white woman you're probably gonna be okay i mean kind of (laughs) i'm pretty white Although, I look pretty tan in this lighting. You look very Um, tan in this lighting. Let's not get too sidetracked. Let's let's get the passport story. The passport story was that he's like holding on to my passport and he wants to know what he knows me from. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't, like, I'm trying to figure out, like, two and a half men. Like, I go through all the things and then, like. You list them. 
Well, I did because I want my passport bag and I want the stamp and I want to get my bag and I want to go home because I was just on an airplane for like 20 hours. So um, in this case, we couldn't figure out anything. And then finally I was like, what do you like watch? Like what? And he's like sports. And I'm like, okay, then you saw me in a sprint commercial. And he's like, yes. And I'm like, okay. Wow. Can I go? Yes. That's my story. I think there's more because I have a sense that you may suffer from this idea or this fact that you are a, a kind person. You don't think I am? No, I think you are. Yes, that's the Midwestern you were talking about. It's too, I can't, just like, I don't want to shut people down. I don't want to hurt people's feelings. I don't want to make people feel bad for, like, just being curious. Mm. But, I mean, I imagine, because it's a hard industry. Like, how, how do you not get taken advantage of? I don't mean, like... Lord, I want right. to phrase this correctly. I know, I know. This isn't a Me Too moment, but like... That, but you know what I mean. Not not yeah. sexually, just people are always trying to fuck each other over. Um, I would say, for me personally, I've been really lucky in the, the team I've assembled right. to take care of all my work stuff. So I don't deal with that. They and they don't... They got your back. They don't let that happen to me. Because they know I would 100% million times over have mm. like already be I would like already be back home living with my parents right because I would have totally been a mess they are great I have great agents who I love I have a great manager now who I love I mean I've had him for a really long time but like I have great publicists I just feel like everyone my lawyer you mustn't forget anyone um <laughs> This is my acceptance speech. Should I ever want really? to I mean, I was like, wow, this is as diplomatic as you've been on the show. But I really feel like all of them together, like I've made, like I fit, the puzzle is finished and it's really good. And that's how someone like me doesn't get messed with. Someone like you. Someone like me. <laughs> yeah. I guess who's like nice and afraid of hurting people's feelings. Mm. But what if you have to hurt someone's feelings? Why would I have to hurt someone's feelings? Well, sometimes they're trying to hurt yours. Defense. Uh, I don't feel like people try to hurt my feelings. That's nice. I just, I don't think that they do. Like, I don't know. I don't surround myself. I don't think so. And I could be wrong. But uh, I have to teach myself that saying no to something or to someone isn't hurt feelings. It's business. Right. So that's my work that I do in this small head is <laughs> like to uh, say, if I say no, I don't want to be in your TV show that I'm not saying you're a bad person. I hate you. I'm just saying I don't want to be in your TV show. Right. I don't want to work that week or I would like to go on my vacation and not change it or I would like to, you know what I mean? Like it's not about the other person. Yeah, disliking the other person. Yeah. Also, I think that's because, like, generally speaking, actors are pretty self-centered, so we think the whole world revolves around us. Mm. And we, like, are desperate to be liked, so there's also that factor, too. Are you self-centered? Yes. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I mean, I have to be a little bit. <laughs> to be good? To be, like, uh, I think to, like, want to do more like people are always like why don't you want to star in movies i'm like uh i do want to star in movies right you know like i'm not 
turning them down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like, no, 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 no. No. Do you have a role that works for four days spread out over four months so I can sit in a hotel room by myself? Um, right. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not goal. That's not my goal. <laughs> I, I went through your IMDb this morning and what you just said, it just kind of triggered something. You've worked on so many shows mm-hmm. and so many films. Mm-hmm. Varying sizes for each of these. Mm-hmm. The part about acting, I think, is actually very similar to being like a professional athlete, which mm-hmm. is like you're traveling a fair bit and you have a lot of isolated time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does it get lonely out there in, in cities? Yeah, it does. But I think in one way, that's how being an only child has helped me. It's like I'm... Lots of alone time. I've ha- I grew up being by myself, so... I don't have a major problem with it. Hmm. It's harder now because I have a family now. So I find that it's it's like less adventurous and more like, um, you know, I miss them. And I bought this small dog that I thought I could take with me everywhere I went. Hmm. But she's a maniac and now I can't. So I was like, right. well, if I can't be like with husband and children, then like I'll bring little Mary Richards with me everywhere I go. But she's Sybil and so like can't be trusted. And <laughs> so I can't. So then I was starting for the first time to get lonely traveling so much. But it's okay. I mean, that's one of the benefits, too, is, like, I don't go away for six months. I go away for three weeks. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, like, that's a, I guess there's a good reason to not be a movie star. Yeah. (laughs) Or, like, if I'm making a column on each side of pros and cons. Pros and cons. (laughs) So. Was the goal, though, to be a movie star? Uh, I know there's there's that competitive side of you. The goal uh, has always to be have access to better roles Mm -hmm. and so i think that like in like anywhere but hollywood it's seen as being a movie star in the entertainment industry it's seen as having foreign value and when you have foreign value you can play different roles you can play in bigger roles you can be in all kinds of different projects so that's the goal Mm. you know but like it's a that's part of the business side of Hollywood that's you know like you can't like there's a movie I really really want right now and it's like a starring role in a really great movie but they're not going to get financing you know they probably would need like a big movie star in order to get financing right so because having you would not allow that I don't know if it would get them as much money I'm not saying it wouldn't get any right but I'm still trying hard of course yeah. You know. There's the uh there's a part in the book and I don't remember the chapter now, but there's a lot of talk about playing the best friend being I think in the title I mean you talk about being a co star. Yeah. Does that bother you at all? No. No. No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't it except for then sometimes you like don't get a part you really want. Right. Like someone else gets it yeah but it doesn't i love i've loved all i mean if i'm gonna go to work and be resentful of why i'm there then i don't take the job yeah i have this quote that you said uh there's a fear that i'm never gonna feel like i made it Mm -hmm. 
Do you, still, I, yeah, you still feel that? I totally feel that. But I don't know, like, what does that even mean? Like, when you feel That's like what I was going to ask you. What, how do you define that? Like, I think there was a time in my life when having made it meant I had money. And then there was a time in my life when having made it meant that I was, like, finally content with what I had around me, you know? And, like, I don't know. Right now, it probably, like, means, like, that I, which is probably the same as being content, actually. Now that I think about it, I was going to say, like, that I'm really, like, enjoying what I have. Mm -hmm. Like, how to enjoy it. Right. Or that I do enjoy it. Like, that it's not, like, ugh. But I don't even feel that, like, anything right now is like, ugh. But I think that, yeah, I don't, but then... Is that true? I was thinking when you were talking right now, I was reflecting on my own life. (laughs) And I was just thinking, now I'm self-absorbed. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean... (laughs) But the part of, when you know, because good things have happened to me. Mm Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm not able to catch myself in those moments and think, wow, isn't this great? Instead, I have that sort of blase attitude of like, mm-hmm. ugh. And it's all like all of a sudden my whole life is deduced to like, ugh. Yeah. You have to be careful of that. Yeah. How do you get away from doing that all the time? Well, don't, I don't know, go to therapy, like have hobbies. <laughs> um <laughs> Like, challenge yourself in other ways. I mean, certainly directing a movie was a huge challenge and a huge undertaking for me. So that... Exhausting, I'm sure. It was exhausting, but I will say that when I was done with my movie and I went back to acting, acting felt so fun again. Like, it felt so fun. Yeah. And, like just being on a set and like wandering off or like taking a nap in my trailer. (laughs) What a joy. I was like, this is fucking awesome. (laughs) Like I nailed it. This is great. Like being able and they're like, okay, Judy, you can go home. We're done with you for the day. It's Sam. We're done with you for the day. And we're going to keep like, like Jim and Nat. And like, you guys are going to like, and then you're just like, peace out. Like, want to go get a drink? Like, yeah. it was so fun. <laughs> what did you learn about directing? Because it's a, it's a hard job. Oh, my God. I learned everything I it's don't know. It's sort of know. torture. I mean, really. Yeah, it's so hard. Ugh. It's so fun, though. And you use so much more of your brain. Like, you have to use so much of your brain. Yeah. And you don't have to look pretty and be self-conscious of how you look which is so awesome it's perfect for me (laughs) i loved how consuming it was i really did and then i also loved afterward like i just said going to work as an actor and being like woo yeah my call time's 10 a.m. What's yours? Ooh, 5 a.m. Sucks to be you. Like, like right, the I joys mean, of that. Yes, and I. But the joys of like learning and pushing yourself and having to like realize, like learning about every single part of filmmaking that right. it, stuff that never occurred to me before. Like, yes, if you were to ask me, like, is production design important? I'd be like, of course it is. But then being a director and your production designer is so important. And what the camera sees when it's pointed in that direction, like is everything. Right. And I never thought about that before. 
And I remember always thinking as an actor, like, I can't believe, like, costume designers call you and talk to you about the look of your character's clothes. And hair and makeup people call you and they're like, how do you want to do your hair? And, like, are you allergic to anything or whatever? And then, but production designers never call actors. And I'm like, what do you think your office looks like? Like, are you a neat person or are you a messy person? Like, do you have, like, write with pens or pencils? Do you like highlighters? Do you, like, no one fucking... All the details. All those things. And it's like, my house is... Like, my house is so specific to me. Mm. So if I'm playing this character, like, how does no one... So I said to, like, my actors and my production designer, like, reach out to these, you know, reach out to each other and talk about, like, what... If this is your house, like, what does it look like? What does it look like, yeah. Yeah. What does your office look like? Or come in a little early and, like, make your desk the way you want it. Like, is this right? Right. Is this how you feel? And I learned that from Todd Holland, who directed me on this TV show called Misguided, that was ultimately unsuccessful, but a really amazing experience, and I'm super proud of it. But he, like, when we first got on set, he was like, go in your office for 15 minutes and, like, rearrange everything and make it how your character would have it. Mm. And I was like, I love that. yeah. It makes sense. This is my my office. How did it feel day one of going into the edit bay in post-production and, like, looking at what you have? Well, day one, it felt great because I was like, dude, I nailed it. Right. <laughs> day Rather, 20, you're yeah. like, fuck, yeah. how did I not get that shot? Why didn't anyone tell me? Yeah. <laughs> and like day 30, you're like, I'm never shooting my movie without my editor next to me ever again. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's heartbreaking. Like day one is great yeah I mean, yeah i actually meant day one I, the question was supposed to be day one when you have like a cut is what yeah. i meant day one is super awesome yeah it's just like day 30 when you have an assembly and it's like oh no i know i and did everything like, wrong also the things that you remember like but i know i know i have one where you don't see his mouth moving i know i have an over the shoulder and yeah. she's like yeah don't Ugh. you're like Fuck! Yeah. Can't get Common back. <laughs> no. Can't get these people to come back. No. And like, yeah, so that stuff, that, yes, day 20 in the editing room is so scary. <laughs> and like, and then... I just found it, in my, in my limited experience, I haven't done it on your scale, it's just endlessly heartbreaking. Yeah. It's, it's heartbreaking but it's also like, like okay, okay. There is a solution to this problem. There has to be. There has to be, because we're not gonna not finish cutting the movie. Like the movie's not gonna not like it's like what? How do you make it as good as you can make it with what you have? And like, what do you have to sacrifice? What goes away that you love so much? Right. Like, what baby are you gonna kill? Are you going to choose that shot of him that is everything you ever wanted? But you, you do that. You can't have her in the background then rolling her eye. Like the thing, you know what I mean? Like, you know, because you're a filmmaker, like you have to start to really prioritize as you get down the line. What's essential to the story? Right. A, what's essential to the story? And then B, like what makes it your movie instead of just like a basic bitch movie that like mm-hmm. doesn't have a point of view or anything a basic bitch movie <laughs> you know what I mean that should be a genre on IMDb <laughs> <laughs> I think I could totally nail basic bitch <laughs> movies sign but, like, me up three million for it no problem like yeah I mean like what 
Maybe it'll be the new Oscar category. <laughs> Wait, isn't that what it is? I think that's Literally, what Literally, they should rename it. And the Oscar for basic bitch movie goes to... <laughs> I think that was the new category. I know. There was a typo on the sheet when they put out like most popular. It was actually basic bitch. I mean, are we going to have a Hollywood yearbook next? Like, most likely to succeed? Like, what the <laughs> fuck? Most popular? Most attractive. Oh, wait, that's the cover of People magazine, like most handsome man of the year. <laughs> they should do a yearbook. I mean, do you know how well those would sell? <laughs> the Hollywood yearbook. Oh, my God. She graduated. She's no longer <laughs> no, with us. I get, most of them would be like, these people did not go to college, which oh is like God. most people in, oh. in Hollywood. <laughs> Um. Yeah. The okay. I actually have a question for you. Yes. Specific one. What makes finally? This I'm kidding because everything's been specific. Right. You can. You can honestly, if you want to get some jabs in, <laughs> no. we're running out of time here. So what? You can, oh, I'm not wearing a watch. I'm <laughs> showing no the microphone. Watch. You can keep hitting me. It's fine. <laughs> you got to get some points. Um. In your words, what makes this film yours? I. F- always felt weird calling it my movie to any of the people involved in <laughs> my movie like any of the actors and any of the producers and anything like I've always felt weird saying like oh my movie comes out and it's like our movie it's yes. it's all of our movies so I guess I would say I don't know I remember after I showed a first cut to the Whites Brothers, like, Chris was like, you have a lot of heart. And I was like, maybe that's what made this, makes this my movie. Like, as much as I tried to make a cool, sexy indie film, I just, like, I think I made a really, really sweet I think heartfelt but funny movie Mm. and I think that that's what makes it mine as opposed to like if let's say you know like fuck I don't know like Michelle Gondry directed this movie like it would be I don't well I don't know know where the camera would be placed but (laughs) but like placed like uh, very (laughs) close to the face movement on the hand I know (laughs) So, you know, actually, it depends on what kind of Michelle Gondry movie. True. There's like Green Hornet, and yes. then there's Eternal Sunshine. <laughs> yes. Um, Isn't that strange? I know. I, you know, I just finished working with him on this TV show called Kidding, oh. starring Jim Carrey. Yes, I heard of this. And um, and it was like such a huge honor to work with him, and like so cool. But I think of like, God damn, that guy, like. I prepared so I prepared more for my movie than anything ever in my right. life put together. Your type A really came out here. Came out. It was really intense and then I think like he's just such a natural artist that like I don't understand when I go to work and he's like looks at us and looks around and is like I think it should be like this and like that and you're coming in it's like he just has like a feeling but yes you could say like you watch something and i guess you're right like when you think of like his style but like wes anderson like Mm -hmm. you know without anything that you're watching a wes anderson movie you know but i think i don't know i think this make this is my movie because it's heartfelt and i think it's so funny and then i look at the cast and i think to myself like 
yeah, like everyone said they would do it, but I picked everyone. So like I got to say like, would you please be in this movie and play this role? And then when they said yes, it's like, well, that was my idea to mm-hmm. ask that person. You yeah, know? there was some, still some intuition. Mm-hmm. The journey for this film, I imagine, is a long one because you shot it in 2015 or 2016. Yeah, two years ago. And the edit took a while, I'm sure. And, mm-hmm. and now that it's coming out, there's so many, there's so many variables aside from like the work of art and the and the producing of the thing. I know. How have you? weather the storm of it all i have a great like great point media who financed the movie and they're releasing the movie they are you gonna give credit to someone else i am of course uh (laughs) i felt like throughout this whole process they were okay well i have a couple answers and this is one of them throughout the whole process they've been super super supportive and never faltering in their support of the film and as enough me as a filmmaker. So that's really great. And the reason that this isn't totally about them is because we premiered at the Benville Film Festival in Arkansas, which is a film festival that is focused around um, diversity and female filmmakers, diverse and female filmmakers, which is a great place to premiere. But of course, we sent it to Sundance and Toronto and... Tribeca and you know what I mean? Like all the places. Yes. So we might not have sent it to Toronto, but we sent it to the big ones, you know, like South by Southwest and it didn't get into those festivals. So that is a heartbreak because a, you have producers in your ear saying, well, obviously it's going to be a Sundance movie and then it doesn't get into Sundance. And they're like, fuck Sundance. Sundance is lame and no one cares about it. And I'm like, that's a total fucking lie. Yeah. Because if we got into Sundance, They'd everyone would be, like, be oh my God. freaking out. <laughs> and if it's so lame, why did we even enter it into Sundance right. anyway? Well, everyone just sort of like, you know. But the thing that's like, so how I weathered the storm of the two years between finishing my movie and it coming out is more just like having confidence in the movie and like knowing when I watched this movie at the Bentonville Film Festival, which was the first time I've seen it with an audience of full strangers in the South, by the way, mm-hmm. like, like, and hearing their reaction, I was like, I don't care anymore about anything because I know that this movie's good and I know that people fucking love it. And it's not because they love me because I'm not even in it. Right. And it's not because I'm in this room because they don't really know who I am all the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Of course. So, like, I made a movie and it won the Audience Award and people were laughing and, like, like three quarters of the people stayed for the Q&A after. It was incredible. And I was like, like, this is amazing. Like, this is... So at this time when this happened, it still hadn't been... uh, We still didn't have distribution yet. So I just felt so good. And, like, you really have to see things as, like, a journey. Or at least I do. I try to see things as, like, everything is a journey. There's no end there's an end like when the movie comes out or people can actually see it but like if this is all part of it then I can't be mad at stages I mean I would say to producers like don't tell your directors that their movie is totally going to get into Sundance but don't worry if it doesn't get into Sundance it'll get into South By and then when it doesn't get into South By I mean Tribeca is a no-brainer so like don't say that shit to directors because it fucks with us (laughs) same with actors you know what I mean why did they tell you all that? Because they 
I don't know. They assumed they, based I on think, the people in the film and based yes. on you, yes. independent of you making a movie, yes. that that would carry enough weight yes, just to get in like a no-brainer. And because it's not a super film festival-y indie movie. It doesn't really play that way. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's like a big... Like right. it's not super mainstream, right. but like while I thought I was making, like I said, more of an edgy indie, I ended up making something that I think is a little bit more, minus all the swear words, because there is a lot of fucks in it. We had to rate it R. Like minus all those, it's pretty. Like I think it's a really, it's a good movie, and it doesn't like get too indie or dark or weird and so ever there's these explanations of like well it didn't get into Sundance because this is what gets into Sundance right, and right. that's what gets into Tribeca and like all the other festivals and you're just like just stop like everyone just stop it's okay it's also like I didn't just get into this business like I understand how it works mm. but you still hope you of know course. what I mean because you're like well movies sell at film festivals and I also felt as an actor I just wanted to make the time that my actors gave me worthwhile. Like, I know they didn't get paid, and a lot of them had to work on weekends. Common had to work on Easter, which I know was really hard for him because he wanted to go to church, and we let him go to church in the morning, and then, and, like, I just felt like I I owe them a movie, you know? Right. And you made it. And it's happening. You've been in the industry a long time, and I, I guess one of the last things I wanted to ask you is, what do you wish... Um, a younger Judy knew back then that you know now Um, about the journey of it all. I mean, I would say that like the fluffy answer is that I wish I would have hired a stylist a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) I remember like, especially now like when everything is about like pictures and the internet and stuff I don't like have a stylist in my but like for like red carpet stuff that's the stupid fluffy answer that's a fun answer because I remember like my publicist was like you should hire a stylist I'm like fuck that I'm not spending all that money and then once I hired one Carlo Welch is the bomb but once I hired one I was like ugh because that is not something I need to I can't figure out that Yeah. and now that's a whole other thing these red carpet pictures and social media and all that <laughs> stuff but then like the deeper answer probably Give me the heartfelt one the heartfelt one um, what, what do I wish the younger starting out Judy would have known uh, like I guess I would say like I wouldn't change anything about back then because it all kind of led me to where I am now and I would say like value your friendships but I did like save your money and I did and and don't buy a stupid car if you can't afford it and I didn't and like all that like basic shit like I knew that and I didn't do it and I don't know any so, regrets um no not yet I don't I might think of one when I'm driving away but no Regrets. Well, I don't think I have regrets because I'm, I'm still gonna do stuff. I would like going forward to travel more, like for myself. Mm. I didn't travel a lot when I was younger because I was like so focused on like I have to be in town, I have to work, I have to be available, and like 
now I'm kind of a snob about like things. <laughs> so I'm like, I wish I would have traveled more when I was younger and like done those kind of things. Like throw, like do the backpacking thing or like just go somewhere and like figure it out. Lived your life. Yeah. Cause now I'm like, seems hard to not stay in a hotel yeah. <laughs> or a nice Airbnb or <laughs> I get like stressed out about stuff. Now we're getting the real answers. <laughs> but like, I wish I would have done a little more of that. What has um, transcendental meditation done for you? I mean, it's fucking awesome. Do you do it? Do you have a mantra? Okay. He said no. Um, so it's like... I mean, the short answer is it's like turning, like taking a 20 minute, like mental nap twice a day, but it's been a great like reset button every single day when you like take your time to like do your meditation and it's hard. It's really hard for me. My husband has a really easy time with it. (laughs) Everyone's different. But it's really good to just, like, stop touching things and doing anything and staring at anything. Mm. And right in this day and age, I would say a screen for 20 minutes twice a day. Yeah. So that's right now what it does for me. Uh, The last thing I wanted to ask. You grew up in Detroit, and you go to DePaul on the last week of DePaul. You get stopped by a woman in a blue raincoat. And she says, maybe you should act. Yes. And your parents very much had a um, standard trajectory mapped out for you Mm -hmm. that did not involve acting, I don't think. And. Kind of did. It kind of did. It didn't. It didn't involve me acting and involved me like doing the thing that I had just spent four years and all of their money that they ever earned. Yeah. (laughs) Learning to do. But yes, my I guess the core of the question is, do you think you have made them proud? Yes, I know I have. Yeah, yeah. I think if I was struggling and unhappy, I think my parents would be proud of me regardless of what I was doing as long as I was happy. And if I was unhappy, I don't think they wouldn't be proud of me. They would still be proud of me, but they would worry. I think I have got to a point where they don't worry about me. Hmm. So that's probably a Midwestern version of pride. I don't know. Do you worry about your kids? Yeah, dude. Oh, my God. Right now? <laughs> they got to get to the age where you don't worry. Oh, my God. I worry more about one of them than the other, and I'm not going to say which one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they know. Yeah, yeah. What have you learned about being a parent? It's so... Uh, it's so hard, but it's so... Well, I just... I remember, like, thinking so harshly about, like, things my parents did when I was a kid. Right. And then when you grow up and you do them and you say them, I thought, like, you know, I'm going to say, for the most part, people are just doing the best that they can. Mm. Like you just try as hard as you can and you love as hard as you can and you just do your best. And like at some point that just has to be enough, you know, like you can't, it's it's hard to be a parent, but you have these ideas of like how, like you have an idea of what kind of parent you're going to be, you know, 
like I almost just equated parenting with shopping on the internet, but <laughs> I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but like, okay, well, you see a pair of jeans online. I was about online. to say, the restraint you have. No, no restraint. Let's go and uh, You see a pair of jeans online and you're like, those are going to look great on me. And you buy them and they come and you look gross. And you're mm. like, oh, how was I so wrong? So you like think, oh, when I'm a parent, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to like always brush their teeth. And I'm always going to make healthy food. And I'm not going to let them get up until they finish their healthy food. And like all these ideas you have in your head of what it's going to be like. And then life actually starts happening around you. And you're like, I just got to make sure that like everyone's fed, that they know that I love them. Right. They are breathing and they are going to school yes, and it's okay. Yes. Like wounds are covered when they're outside of the house. Mm-hmm. Food is in bellies. Sleep has been attempted, and like Just love an is felt. Yeah, it's a little bit like um, you being an actor and then becoming a director. I'm sure you had ideas about directing. Yeah, and then you're like, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this, and then you did it. Yeah, and then you get to set, and you're just like going crazy, like in a good way, like thinking like I'm gonna be like this, and I don't know, thinking out like. I uh, I thought I would I didn't think I would be like as physical as I was as a director I know that doesn't make a ton of sense but I thought like oh like I'll be like watching the monitor and then giving them notes and then seeing another take but it's like in reality like you're just running constantly I was like constantly like running to the actors running back to the monitor like running to fix something like I didn't I didn't think I would be so um I didn't know you had to be so hands-on. Yeah. And that was really fun and cool. But yes, the ideas you have, like how you're just going to like figure everything out and nothing's going to scare you, even though I knew I was going to be scared and I wouldn't know anything. Like I thought like I would be able to hide it or figure it out before. But then when stuff comes up and you don't know the answer, you're like, I don't know. You're the, you know, fill in the blank uh I, I, you know yeah like you're the Production cinematographer designer. will you please like help me with this yeah like do you want to go tighter on this or do you feel like you have it it's like <laughs> uh hmm do i have time to go tighter yeah yes great let's go tighter great i remember um i think elizabeth banks was like I think it was her that said once, uh, or I saw her at a party before I started directing, and she was like, just have fun. Like, just have fun. And that was such a good piece of advice. Like, just enjoy it. Like, no one knows what they're doing. Mm. And no one cares. Just have a good time, and everyone will have fun, and you'll all figure it out. That's kind of what happened. Also, I wasn't making, like, a dark, scary horror movie, so... Although I will say it's really fun to make a horror movie. <laughs> but I've never directed one, obviously. But anyway, yeah. So that was good advice. Because I think at the end of the day, I would drive home every day, like, super tired and super excited to go back to work the next day. Well, I've uh, had fun on this. <gasps> oh, me too. Have you been, has it been an okay time? Yeah, it was great. Thanks for having me on. Judy Greer, anytime. Ta-da. So long. Okay.
Special thanks this week to Jillian Roscoe, Tori Smith, and Michelle Proctor. Judy Greer's directorial debut, A Happening of Monumental Proportions, is now out in theaters around the country. To learn more about Judy, you can do so at our website at www.talkeasypod.com. If this is your first time listening, we've also done episodes this year with folks like Chloe Zhao, Alia Shawkat, Josh Radner, Coleman Domingo. We've had a bunch of wonderful people on. You can find all those on our website, iTunes, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts. As always, the show is executive produced by David Chen, graphics by Ian Jones, illustrations by Krishna Shenai. Our associate producer is Elliot Weintraub, and the show is produced by Dylan Peck. I'm Sam Fragoso. Thank you for listening to Talk Easy. I'll see you next week. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored among some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.